This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hey, Andrew, it's Craig. Hey, Craig, it's Andrew. I have an idea for you. Okay. A podcast. Oh, another one? Where We're the prestige doing... of the okay. publishing industry meets page six scandals and true crime suspense. <laughs> this is different than the one we do, then. It's different. What if I told you this idea has already come to fruition? Oh, then I would wonder why you weren't just telling me about it. Wait no longer, then. (laughs) Missing Pages, a new show from the podglomerate, uncovers some of the literary world's messiest scandals and how they were initially reported in the news. Mm -hmm. Host Beth Ann Patrick, an acclaimed literary critic and columnist, takes listeners through all the windy and unexpected turns of these fiascos. Listeners hear about a fraudulent memoirist who ran a dubious charity, a scandal-plagued sophomore, the world's most chaotic influencer, and the first-class liar behind a second-rate thriller author. Don't miss out on these juicy scandals, Andrew. Okay, I won't. Follow today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this show. The full season of Missing Pages is now available for binge listening. First or second favorite host of Overdue, a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. I'm here by myself to let you know that Craig and his wife, Laura, had their baby earlier this month. Uh, They've been home for a couple weeks. Everybody's doing great. They're all sort of getting used to each other and the amount of pooping that is happening. Yeah, if you if you follow us on Twitter or if you're in our Patreon Discord server, maybe you've heard about this already, but we just wanted to make sure everybody knew, spread the word far and wide that this joyous event has happened. I have met this baby. He's a good baby. He's very small. I think he has Craig's nose. That's all that I'm comfortable revealing to everybody at this point. So through August and September, we were recording a bunch of episodes, stockpiling them. We had a bunch of fun guests come to help us do this. And so, yeah, the show is just going to continue as scheduled through uh, October and November. But we just want to let you know uh, everything's going great. And we just appreciate your uh, your listenership and your support so much uh, during this time and all times. So yeah, just join me in welcoming a new heir to the Overdue Podcasting Empire. And until we are back to a normal recording schedule, just you know, enjoy the guest eps and try to be happy. Hey everybody, welcome to Overdue, a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. <laughs> My name is a spooky Mario, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I lost I'm a, Andrew. I lost a control. I got bitten by a spaghetti, a flying <laughs> spaghetti monster. You got bitten by uh, Stefan, the vampire from the... <laughs> Vampire Diaries, and he turned you into an Italian vampire. He did. Oh no! Mo. I want a suit to suck your blood. <laughs> this is our book podcast in the month of Spooktober, where one of us reads a book and tells the other person about it, and it is often a book with spooks, like spooky yeah. stuff, with like yeah. monsters or something. Mm-hmm. 
It's going to be a scream. It is indeed. We're going to read a book. <laughs> Never gets old. Never no. Does. Yeah. Uh, so, Andrew, what book did you read for this week's show? Mm-hmm. Well, get get pump pump pumpkin up. Mm-hmm. Pump begin up the jams because I read Undead Girl Gang by Lily Anderson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, There's a patron's choice poll. Yes, one. it was. Mm-hmm. I just found it on a list of interesting, fun, fun like, books, spooky novels. Yeah, I was trying to find like because we were trying to put together a poll. I think around like different kinds of Halloween monsters. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And zombies was was one of them. And we've done some like more straightforward zombie stuff before. I know we did World War Z a million years ago. Um, I know one of these spooktobers we're gonna end up doing pride and prejudice and zombies probably right yeah yeah feels like every year that we are it's gonna be the year and then someone like has a kid or there's something else that happens (laughs) that makes reading a long book hard (laughs) yeah but uh yeah this this is i think a little more off the beaten path Mm -hmm. but it's but i think that was part of the reason that it appealed to me so yeah and it sounds like it appealed to our patrons as well it did uh it, it did clean out in a the strong uh, plurality yeah. right yeah the next one of those polls will be for the month of december uh so go to patreon.com so pod for more information on that mm-hmm. uh lily anderson born 1988 dropped out of college at age 18 to become a writer she did go on to become a writer so she made the choice that worked for her. She did a bunch of theater as a kid, which informs uh, her first two novels, The Only Thing Worse Than Me Is You in 2016 <laughs> mm-hmm. and Not Now, Not Ever in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, she worked for many years as an elementary school and middle school librarian in, uh, was it California or North Carolina? One of the C ones. Northern, Cali- Northern California. Which yeah, <laughs> this book is set in... California. Sure. So. <laughs> I can see what my brain did there. Um, <laughs> you just saw an N and a C yep. and you're like, well, must be go Tar Heels. <laughs> I love the triangle. Um, she said that those first two books were inspired not only by her you know, time growing up, um, but also the students that she worked with a lot at the time. In an interview with Laughing Place, she said... Uh, they were very bright kids with what we would consider nerdy fandoms, things like Star Wars, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and comics were all integral to how they saw the world. I wanted to reflect that back to them through another classic form, Shakespeare, which is something that she has talked a lot about being very fond of. Um, so that book, uh, The Only Thing Worse Than Me Is You, is a retelling of Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing, but it's scaffolded by geek culture. And then she did a follow-up set at the same school based on the importance of being earnest uh, so those are her like first two books. And then this one, she very deliberately didn't want to set it at that same school. Mm-hmm. And she a had, different school. Well, yeah, it is a different school. Yeah. Um, but she wrote the first draft of this book in like six weeks. She said it was the fastest she's ever written a draft. Uh, and you can you can feel that like sure. it's a it is a book that takes place over a week or so mm. and and so yeah you you've got a lot of it kind of got tumbles. a lot of stuff going on but it's not the kind of book I don't think that you need to like aggressively outline or, or, or diagram out like it's it's tightly focused in time and tightly focused on like half a dozen people or so sure yeah. um, in an interview uh, on a mo- 
amarisafloria.com. That's the interviewer's name. Um, she talks also about one of the main characters being similar to her, and that also made the the book kind of like kind of just fall out of her brain. She said. Uh, I think there's a lot of me in it. She's fat and I'm fat. She's brown and I'm brown. She's wicked and I'm wicked. It helped. <laughs> uh, which is, you know, how she gets to where she is. And she also talks about, apparently, her editor approached her because they were looking for someone to write a witch book. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, I've been a Wiccan since I was eight and I would love to do this. Do you want it to be funny or sad? What do you need? <laughs> and they were like, it, "Can it be like a little dark and spooky?" And she was like, "If it's allowed to be funny, also, I'm your gal." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that, I found that interesting. She, there's another book she wrote um, in 2021. The throw. So this book came out in 2018. The throwback list in 2021 is, I think she she categorizes it as like an adult small town friendship book that has like the kind of pace and vibes of a YA book in terms of how it talks about like relationships and friendship and stuff. Okay. Um, but she says she was also approached by, I guess that's Disney Hyperion is the book label. Uh, Disney owns everything. Um, to I mean, <laughs> Warner Brothers owns some stuff. Uh, too. Fair enough. <laughs> don't, don't forget. <laughs> there are like two other companies that no, own things. You're right. Um, and they wanted, they were looking for someone to write what they called a bucket list book, mm-hmm. which I think is a, book in which a character has a bucket list sure. like they go like us you know i gotta go home i gotta do stuff i've wanted to do my whole life yeah i know what thing. a bucket list is it's it, it would be great if you could find somebody who had writing a book on their bucket list yeah and you could just really you know, they could use that while they wrote the book <laughs> that would be pretty good mm-hmm. uh i'm just kind of fascinated by her career as someone who is like has these relationships with editors where they're like, we're looking for someone to do this thing. And she seems to have been successful kind of stepping into those gigs, which is good for her. Sometimes it's nice. Like I, I, I've done some writing. I'm considering doing like a, I know you are during the, the, our little like hiatus that's, that's coming up or that, I mean, as you're listening to it is happening. (laughs) And yeah, I, I think I, do better with a prompt than I do just like sitting down in front of a blank, like text edit window. What do you I know? gotta like, say about the world? Yeah, like if somebody, if somebody was to be like, I need a a book about a puppy made of cotton candy, uh huh, who learns a valuable life lesson about sharing, okay. and it needs to be twenty five thousand words. <laughs> Then I within that framework, I feel like I could assemble something more easily than if I had to just pull it out of my head. Like, for example, I think the prompt would be better than that one. (laughs) (laughs) Now that you've seen the prompt, you might have notes on the Mm -hmm. prompt. Mm -hmm. Would you say that the scariest thing in the world is a blank page? Um, sure. You're in Spooktober? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And but also Frankenstein's. (laughs) Frankenstein stuck at a typewriter with an empty page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's now, that's now we're talking. That's scary. Write about fire. Write what you know, man. Mm-hmm. Write about your own fears. He doesn't um, like fire. That's true. Uh, before <laughs> we take, well, you have to confront your fears through writing. It'd be very yeah, therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The last thing I'll share uh, before we take our break, just kind of just put it in your brain, Andrew. 
and then you can maybe address it as we talk about the book. It is my okay. understanding. I read like the headlines were like it's YA, f- you know, uh, focused on friendships, but also there's zombies or something like that, and it's sort of like the craft, but with Mean Girls. And I was like, mm-hmm. this all sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's also like a murder mystery. And in one of the interviews, she was talking about how she often winds up putting mysteries in her books. Um, she said, I think it's something that mostly happens by accident because I always hit this point. I'm halfway through writing a book where I think it's going to end too easily. And I don't want the reader to go, oh, they're obviously just going to fall in love. I don't want anyone to get bored. So they put the book down. So there's normally a mystery because you know they're going to get a happily ever after. You have to have another mystery because the relationship isn't going to be one. Mm-hmm. That was an interesting like, self-aware assessment of what she is interested in when she sure. sets down to write a book mm-hmm. and then finds herself being like uh needs it needs something else i i appreciate and i think i think the mystery is like mostly interesting in in this like i don't i don't think it's poorly done i do think you can sense that maybe she tacked a mystery onto something that had been partly written already because there are like six or seven like seven or eight maybe named characters yeah and when you're doing a a murder mystery yeah like it's never it's never going to be somebody who you've never like the first time you hear about them (laughs) is when they are giving their grand confession like it's gonna be one of those people and probably not like one of the people who are the protagonist So, so like it does to the extent that it's a it's a like a whodunit mystery, like you've only got like two or three different people to choose from. A two done it, yeah. But uh, yes, a two done it, of course, obviously. But cool. um, yeah, it's, it's it's fun. It's a fun read. I'm just I'm just saying it's not. I don't think that you should go in reading it for the mystery. Yeah, yeah. That and that was a lot of the reviews, and I I might revisit any of those quotes later as it's relevant to our discussion. But generally, we're like. These characters are fun. This book is neat. This is a cool book to spend time in. I f- the mystery I figured out right away, and that was not that's not what I'm going to tell anyone about when I recommend this book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's take a quick break. Let that simmer in your brain. Let that simmer in the audience's brain, in their brains, and then mm-hmm. uh, we'll come back and you can tell me about the book. Okay. or someone you know have feet or a body or a butt if you're like me you have all three of those things and if that describes you i want to tell you about our sponsor bombas bombas mission is simple they make the most comfortable clothes ever and they match every item sold with an equal item donated so when you buy bombas you are also giving to someone in need Uh, I've loved wearing Bomba socks for years. Uh, They do shirts and underwear and slippers, too. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. Uh, I like that their socks come in lots of styles. Uh, I like to wear the calf socks to keep me warm in winter, and they also do ankle socks that will keep you cool in the summer. And they also do kid styles if you want your little kid to have some socks. Socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters, which is why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. Customers have helped donate over 50 million items of clothing so far. So if this sounds like something you are interested in, go to bombas.com slash do, that's D-U-E, the word do, uh, use the offer code do 
for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash do, D-U-E. Use code do at checkout. Bombas.com slash do. That's code D-U-E. Okay, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Where should we start? With the undead, the girl, or the gang? Well, the undead undead girl is sort of a sort of one unit of okay of First plot <laughs> or storytelling. Um, so let's I guess start with that. Great, sure. <laughs> uh, so we've got our the, our main character is uh, Mila Flores, which is short for Camilla. Okay. Oh, uh, she is a student at this high school. The book opens. She is at her best friend Riley's funeral. Riley has died. Okay. And we find out at this funeral that this is the second funeral that this high school has has gone through in like the last week. Sure, because at a, at a at another funeral earlier this week, uh, these two girls who who Mila and Riley really did not like, but who they kind of were tangentially attached to through um, Riley's brother Xander. Sounds like high school. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it was a uh, June and um, and. Yes, no, I got it. You time code me. Yep, yep. Uh, these two other girls, June and Dayton, have have also died recently. Okay. Um, and so what what we find out about Mila, like really, because you're in her head for the entire book. So what you find out about her is that she is, uh, she is, she sees herself as a bit of a social outcast. Um, like she and Riley were friends and they were really close but they don't really have other people who are in their group like sometimes they hung out with with Xander like sometimes I don't want to because the something the book does a lot of is talking about the ways that Mm. uh, Mila does not like being referred to as a fat girl so she herself is just like yeah I'm fat sure and that's what it is Um, and she describes her struggles trying to get people to stop using euphemisms for fat around her, like curvy and fluffy and all the stuff that drives her absolutely up, absolutely up the wall. Okay. <laughs> so she, she is fat. She's brown skinned. I think we don't spend a ton of time with her family, except that her parents just don't understand. And then she has a couple of annoying younger siblings. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, so she feels kind of apart a from people. And then Riley, her, Riley's mom and dad run like a funeral home. Well, that makes sense. And people in the school sort of shun their family because of because they think, oh, who are those creepy people who run the funeral home? They must do stuff with the corpses. And well, you know, it's just like high school. They must be really into Edward Gore. <laughs> yeah, they just must be weird. They must be weird. Yeah, sure. And so Riley and and Mila have like found each other in this, and there's and and Riley is is Wiccan, and uh, and Mila describes herself as she asks at one point like, is there such a thing as like Wicca agnostic? Because I'm not <laughs> any kind of religion, but I'm also not sure whether this magic stuff actually is anything. It's just like something that I was comfortable with and and Riley liked it and I liked Riley. So I kind of went along with it. This is where she is the beginning of the book. Okay. Um, So yeah, she is, she is trying to deal with her grief, but she's not like, like, and I sympathize with this as somebody who doesn't like cry at funerals. Usually she's feeling a little 
weird about how she's reacting to it because she can sense everybody like, like her parents and, and Riley's parents and everybody at school sort of reacting to her reaction in a way. And like, if, you know, if she, if she's too sad or if she's not sad enough, she just doesn't want to deal with people like responding to her grief and, what and, what is that? You know, and and analyzing like whether she's sad enough or or too sad or yeah. Is it that is it that screen cap from The Simpsons where everyone turns around to ask Bart to say "Eat my shorts" or whatever? The f- uh, I didn't do it. I didn't it's do the, it. Thank you. It's the line. Yes. And say the line, Bart. Say the line, Bart. And it's sort of like there's that feeling in a scenario like where everyone's just looking at you, expecting you to be as sad as they think you are, or as performatively grieving as they think they would be. Yeah. A a, a little bit. And that's that expectation is running up against Mila's like sort of natural prickliness. Oh, sure. People usually don't pay any attention to her at all. And so she knows, or she suspects that like, if anybody is paying attention to her now, it's like a performative sort of thing. She just doesn't want to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she is, she, is dealing with this. Uh, she, the, the deaths of all three girls have been ruled as uh, suicides by the police, but Mila is convinced that's not the case uh, in Riley's case. Anyway, she just, she has, she does not think that, that Riley was in a place to, to do that sort of thing. Okay. And so, and so authority figures are saying, well, the cops say, that mm. it's this. And so like, there's a school therapist who she is very down on. <laughs> okay. Who's there's a, so this, this is a bit about the therapist and then a little bit about, it's like the voice and the tone of sure. the book. The, the tone of the, of the book is very colloquial and I guess modern for lack of a, a better word. Um, uh, so this is her talking to the the school therapist. Do you still believe that you're a witch? People say witch the same way they say fairy princess. Like it's a game that Riley and I should have outgrown. But to Riley, it was a religion. And to me, well, I don't know. Maybe it was make-believe. And then she's like observing stuff in, the, in, the, in, in Dr. Miller's office. Um, All four walls are painted lavender, lavender directly across from me is a giant vinyl sticker that reads life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain with all the dance in the rain being in all caps. (laughs) And then Mila observes the font is very aggressive. (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's sort of her, her mental state. And then the, the voice of the book is, is yeah. I Um, was, I made a note to ask like how the, um, how humor worked its way into the book and you've, you've given it to me, which is very interesting to hear because it's like given the setup and maybe there are other ways that the book is funny, but that seems to me like a really easy way is to have a character be kind of a little snarky, snarky. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not, and, and in their own head so they can kind of get away with saying stuff that maybe they don't have to say out loud to other people. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that you were very close to Riley Greenway. This must be an awfully hard time for you. I wonder what it would be like if I said no. Like, nah, dog, my BFF is dead, but otherwise it's been a super chill week. <laughs> that seems needlessly combative, so instead I say, yes, it's hard. <laughs> this is a f- okay, Mila's fun. Yeah, Mila's she's cool. fun. Even though she's having a bad time. Well, sure. Yeah. So she, you know, in as as part of grief processing, like there's this abandoned house... That's of course. outside of this 
smallish town they live in. And she talks a little bit about California and how people think that anything this more, uh, more than like a hundred years old is historic and must be preserved at all costs, <laughs> even if it's not doing anything. So it's this house has been abandoned for like several decades that she and Riley would go to, to do witch stuff. And while she is there at that house, there's a FedEx delivery <laughs> and Riley has had something delivered to that house. Uh, Serafina Piccala is the name that, uh, that Riley has the, the package delivered to, which is the name of a witch from the golden compass. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and it ends up being this grimoire. It's a red, a red spell book full of spooky spells. Love it. And one, and she, and so Mila's reading through the spell book. She's never really felt, like this mu- this magic stuff works, but mm. it's partly because they've used it for pretty minor stuff where if you really wanted to, you could explain away the result of the spell is like random chance, you know, yeah. it's like making yep. somebody like you or like trying to get rid of a zit or trying to give somebody a zit like that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay, sure. And she finds in this book, this spell for bringing somebody back from the dead for a week. Whoa. And I think you can sense where this is going. I have no idea where this is she, <laughs> Her being convinced that Riley, Riley's death was, was a murder and possibly the other girls too. Like she wants to bring Riley back partly to see her friend again and get some closure because she, she didn't like they were apart and hadn't like spoken in a, in a, you know, that day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and partly to figure out this mystery wants to bring Riley back. And so she goes through the process of getting all the stuff in the spell book. Like there is a a local like witch supply store that she goes to and she like steals an expensive ingredient from there. A lot of stealing in this book because like all the characters are teenagers and don't have any money. So they just kind of steal. Why not? I guess. I guess. Um, and then she goes to Riley's house and talks with Xander. Xander, who she's had a crush on forever, but Ooh. who she didn't really want to act on it because it's her best friend's brother. Yeah, and it'd be weird. Weird. Yeah. Um, but she, you know, she takes some odds and ends, like a, a brush and some lips, some lip gloss, and some things from Riley's room that she thinks might have like her DNA or essence or whatever it is that she needs to bring them back. Cool. Uh, and she goes to the cemetery and she does the spell. And the earth quakes and she is, she's like ill and she almost passes out. And then she hears her friend's voice and it's like Riley's back. And, but then she hears another couple of voices too. And, oh, it turns out that June and Dayton also have been brought back. Oh no. And so you've got a, like a lot of the, the fun of the book is like these four girls sort of becoming fast friends with each other, even though they were like strangers to mild adversaries in everyday life. Yeah. One, one of the, um, the three star Goodreads reviews, three star Goodreads reviews that I read. It was actually a pretty positive review for a three star review. Um, three stars can mean a lot of things and people on Goodreads definitely in their heads do have a half star system. Yes, that's true. Mm -hmm. Um, the like the main thing that this person Sharon shouted out was that they liked how most of the characters demonstrated some like growth or you know self awareness over the course of the book or like a little bit of maturity and this sounds like the path to that where all of a sudden these four people have a bond 
and they just have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Are they like? Can you describe the undeadness if there is any? So they're not quite zombies. The, the The way that so they all go once they're all up and they've all kind of like the three girls don't really remember anything about their last couple okay. of weeks of of life early on, um, and so. Mila convinces them that they're all dead and then they all go to the local 24 hour Walmart, which I can imagine exactly the Walmart that it is. I grew up in a town where the Walmart was the only thing open all night. I think the town I went to college in was the, was a town where the Walmart was the only Walmart all night here in South Philly is one of the few places that you can go in the middle of the night to get some bread or whatever. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Though I've never been in there. I was in a New Jersey Walmart once and the vibe was so much more, the vibe in a high density yes. Walmart uh-huh. is Don't so like much different than the vibe in like a rural to yeah. exurban Walmart that yeah. I was just thrown off and I've never been back. <laughs> <laughs> I was uncomfortable. <laughs> so they go to the 24 hour Walmart mm-hmm. and they are, you know, they split up and they. And they are all getting like the the girls are getting some clothes because they don't want to be walking around in the stuff they were buried in. Yeah. And Riley goes to get some or Amila goes to get some Pepto-Bismol because her stomach's bothering her. And she gets like this intense bout of nausea and then she hears screaming and she runs. And it turns out when when the girls are far enough away from Mila, they all sort of resort revert to zombiness. So they all they all look pretty much like their normal selves if they're within like 100 paces of her. But then when they exit that radius they're they're still like alive but like the girls like necks are broken and like the the their wounds and their like the decomposition that has happened becomes apparent when mila is not far enough away are but they, they can still, still like, like walk around and do stuff and it's talk just, like, and like yeah have yeah it's okay. just yeah it's just like their bones are sticking out interesting in some places sometimes okay <laughs> but i like that this all happens at a super walmart because that is a an indoor, but still late enough at night, pretty private yep. and not very busy place for them to get very far away from each other and inadvertently realize this. That's, like there's yeah, a lot of right. a lot of uh, like a- land area is covered by a super Walmart. <laughs> That's funny. Um, and so, does this mean that like there is magic? Is, is that like a result of the spell? Is that because Miles yeah, it's a result of the spell. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um So, hmm, what what do I want to where do I want to go from here? It's they they are they're trying to figure out the mystery. They they zero in on this one guy. I think his name is Caleb or something. Like he all, he wears sweatpants and he has really inconvenient boners all the time and he's kind of gross. And they think because they were all on the list for this like prestigious uh grades based scholarship thing oh, that maybe he bumped them off so oh, he no. could get the scholarship. Yeah, this is very, very like high school drama to me. Oh my God. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, we're gonna get him here. We're gonna give a truth potion and we're gonna make him explain to us that he that he murdered us. Okay. And so they do all that and and throughout this, like so Mila is just like is home and the three girls are staying in that abandoned house that I talked about. And so they are all just hanging out, being sort of partially zombified because they're not within <laughs> Mila's like I magic radius. That. 
Okay. Yeah, but they but they also can't stop themselves from kind of sneaking around town and doing a little bit of of Tom Sawyering. Mm, yes. Just a little skosh of it. And uh, so they they you know they get all the stuff together for this truth potion. They're sort of slowly coming around on each other as as people like they just it, it's a combination of character growth and then not really like realizing they didn't really know each other when they were yeah alive. yeah like a almost like a uh what is the the breakfast gang is almost what i said out loud the breakfast this is like when you try to tell me that what was what'd you say the movie wayne's world was called wayne and garth was yeah. the title of the movie you tried to tell me we were talking about you seen that one wayne and garth. Yeah, wayne, you know wayne and garth she was Hey, don't you uh, stop remembering me, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Don't, 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 don't. Yeah, don't you stop remembering me. Yeah. I'm going to kick my foot in the air. Um, but there's like, here's a, here's a, just a quick line about how the, these relationships are, are forming and sticking. Two weeks ago, the thought of being called Dayton's friend would have made me laugh for five straight minutes. Today, it wears like a scratchy sweater. Uncomfortable, but functional. Oh, I like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out that he, not only did he not do it, but also June was sort of dating him, even though she was also dating Xander. Ooh. Uh Uh-oh. And so we, yeah. And so they've done another spell that they did. So they did the, they did the resurrection spell. They did the, the truth potion. Then they also did this other spell where like, they're going to. They're going to make people who, whoever did stuff, whoever murdered them is going to start manifesting like physical symptoms of that. It's like oh. letting the, the rot inside you come out. And then, so that's the way that they're going to like find this person. Okay. And this guy, Caleb like has eczema. And so they think that oh that is the, oh, no. the rotting. Oh no. Initially. But then June is like, Oh baby, it's just your eczema. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, and it's, and so June didn't tell any of them that she was dating him because she was trying to get him to keep it on the DL until she could help him become more popular, <laughs> which is a, it's an example of like, a, a these two girls were like pretty shallow, not like the, the best people in the whole world, but there, there was also like on Mila's part, there's an acknowledgement that they have layers other than that, and also because they're sh- just because they're shallow doesn't mean they deserve to like get killed by somebody. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's how they are they are humanized throughout this, even though they are they start out as you know Mean Girls mean style girls. Yeah. Mean Girls, like from the movie Mean Girls. Oh, from and from the musical Mean Girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, based on the movie Mean Girls. Yeah, uh, based on the novel Pushed by Sapphire. <laughs> That one, that one, I know the name of because yeah, no, that's because it's a meme to say it out loud. You're not going to tell me it's like oh, sad, sad book about <laughs> race in America based on the novel Shove by Garnet, based in the the novel Sad Book by Precious Gem. <laughs> it's different. That's funny because it's that movie. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Okay, so they're going to find the murderer now. I trust. They, yeah, they, they're still trying to find the murderer. As the week goes on, the the you know the the magic zombie radius starts shrink. to shrink, and like okay. the effect doesn't work as as quickly or as well. So you you have the sense of a ticking clock that's 
cool. behind this whole thing. You've also got another plot thread where there's like a, a she's a one of the few black girls at school. She also is fat, and she keeps trying to talk to to Mila, but is like doing it in kind of a tactless sort of way where she's insisting that something is weird about the about like Riley's family and Mila is just not like not interested in hearing it because these are these kinds of rumors have just gone around forever because of their funeral home stuff. And she's like, are you trying to talk to me about my dead best friend? Because don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. Um, but she's like, you find out that she is working. Like people have seen these three supposedly dead girls wandering around town because they have not been as careful as they think they have been. And so she's working on a story about this. It's going to blow the whole thing wide open because she Whoa. sees journalism as her way out of this one horse town. Huh. Um, and that's the most supernatural thing about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the the realistic thing about that is that she's the only person interested in journalism <laughs> in like the entire school and nobody can remember the name of the paper that she makes. So, Okay, that's funny. Um, and so, so that is happening. Another thread that's happening is that Mila and Xander are sort of getting Mm. close. Like they, they go to like a, like a little farm festival thing and they, they dance around together and, and Xander's being a little like, Oh, you know, I, I don't want, I want you to stay in my life just cause my sister's gone and we can help each other grieve and, and and I've always liked you but you're my sister's friend so I never wanted to make a move and wouldn't it be cool if we maybe could get together and so they are th- okay so so that is happening yeah there is a scary confrontation at the at the witch house because the lady who runs the witch supply store that Mila stole that yeah ingredient from has come with her local biker gang witch coven. Uh-oh. <laughs> Surprise. Some good conceptually cool things. In that this is book. pretty cool, yeah. <laughs> and is like, hey, you are, not only did you steal stuff from my shop and break my trust, also you are toying with forces that you cannot yep. conceive of, and we are here to put those zombies back in the ground. Mm-hmm. And so they all scatter. Like, the, the three zombie girls can't be hurt or killed again because they're already dead but mila can be yeah um so they all uh this is the same night that they're doing the truth potion stuff on on caleb so everybody everybody runs away from the house uh dayton and june hole up at at caleb's house and like that whole we've already talked about that plot line how they were secretly dating and whatever whatever um mila goes over to xander's house and is like i didn't know where else to go I'm all dirty from like running through the woods and trying to get away from these people. Like, can you, I, can you just, can you help me? And Xander's like, yeah, of course I can help you. And so she like takes a shower and she gets in a bathrobe and they start watching a TV show on a laptop. And then they start making out a little bit. Mm, it's getting spicy in here. Mm. And as Mila is, is like taking Xander's shirt off, she senses him like hesitate. And at first she's like, Oh, I just, I push this too far. The consent has been revoked. That's, 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 I feel kind of silly about that, but it's, it's just a normal thing. But then she realizes that the other day she thought she felt like a zit on his back when they were dancing 
and he and he mentioned he was like, "Hey, you're you and my sister did that witch stuff. Do you have a spell for like getting rid of zits?" And but she takes his shirt off and she realizes. And Craig, imagine my astonishment when I got to the end of another Spooktober book and there's like nutso mushroom stuff no. happening to me. Uh, <laughs> it happened again. Again? <laughs> he's got like mushrooms all over his back. And why do you think he's got mushrooms all over his back? It's not because he's a toad. It's because he's... From Mario. He's because he's a bad guy. Yeah. It's because the, ro- the rot inside him is, is no. manifesting itself physically on his body. Oh, and so no. we... The roller coaster ending of the book is that he was mad at like so June like cheated on him. Yeah, Dayton was always helping to spread terrible rumors about Riley and their family and like getting her excluded from stuff and just like generally making her lonely. And so he killed the two of them. Partly, like at, at least he was telling himself is mostly for his sister. And then Riley found like one of them was, was missing a shoe when her body was found. And Riley found a shoe in, Oh, in Xander's room. And so she went, she ran to look for Xander and like on this steep riverbank as she was like running and, and like trying to tell herself, Oh no, this can't be happening. There must be an explanation for this. She like slips and falls. And so her, she, she was not murdered. She, and she did not, you know, she did not take her own life. She simply had an accident. Okay. And that's what happened. And so she had remembered that a little bit ago, but didn't want to tell uh, Mila about it, partly because she was still having trouble thinking that her brother could do that. But then there's like a confrontation at the haunted house where like the journalist girl is there. And so she's seen all the zombies now and she knows all the magic <laughs> stuff is happening. <laughs> And Xander is there and he's got mushrooms coming out all over his like face and head uh. and just like things are looking real bad. And he is, you know, he is doing bad guy monologuing yes. and like sets the house on fire to like kill Whoa. all of them. And he does not like Mila basically kill like doesn't directly kill him, but does like in getting away from him, like trap him in the house. Mm. And so he also dies. And so the denouement of the book is like the zombie girls have closure. Mila is trying to make good with the local witch's coven because she can do magic. And now she knows that, that the witch stuff is real. And so she's just going to be part of the local witch community now, which <laughs> okay. is fine. But she like, she's sort of found a place to belong. And she and Anaya, this, this journalist yeah. girl who I've been, who I've been talking about, like they, they had had a couple of like almost moments of connection where, Mila is realizing, oh, like we are different from these other kids and outcasts from these other kids in some of the same ways, even though she is like saying stuff about my dead best friend I don't like. And so you do get a sense like you feel like, okay, either Anaya did it or they could be friends at the end. of That's a Yeah, that's the I was going to ask, like, is there like a little whiff of she's too interested in this? She's, you know, she keeps popping up. And having conversations about it, and so you wonder, like, what does she, what does she know that she's hiding? Yeah, I don't, I don't think the girls ever suspect her of being a murderer, but yep. you, the reader, knowing that she is like one of yep Short three list. people who could possibly have done it, is like, well, maybe it was her. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> um, and so you know the 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 
zombie girls all go back. They all get like a nice little moments of like. Do they have to literally go climb back into the dirt? No, they don't have to climb back into their graves. They just look kind of like they're, they're in the cemetery and the earth shakes, and then it's, then it's okay, over. Okay. But the like the the biker witch coven is there just in case anything goes wrong because that the red magic grimoire book is just a bad book. <laughs> it's a bad book, and nobody knows the you know the end result of anything that comes out of it. So, um. But yeah, there's there's just this little moment where Mila is like, yeah, these these like June and Dayton kind of suck, but even in this like this week of unlife, they've had this opportunity to to grow, and I've gotten to know them, and it just makes me, it, it, I think it's made her a little bit more open to knowing other people. Um, and so the the book ends with her and and Anaya sort of bonding about how they have little sisters who are annoying. And uh, Mila is like, so, so what? You want to start the fat brown girl click? And then the book sort of ends. Okay. Yeah. That's fun. So, yeah, they're just going to be, they're just going to be friends. And I think Mila's found sort of a sense of, of belonging. She doesn't, she doesn't have a hurt. As I mentioned before, her parents don't understand. Her That's best friend's true. dead. But yeah. like she is, she has had the opportunity through her experiences with the undead girl gang to, you know, to, to find some closure and to is there, move on to move on a little bit. Is there anything in um in the undead girl gang, the way that they do magic, mm-hmm. can can like Riley also do it or does Mila have to do all of the like the actual spell craft and Mila's stuff? doing all the spell craft. Riley insists that her magic is not like working since she came back, yep. but also it it comes to light that Riley was like not it's not that she didn't believe in it. It's just that mostly she was doing it for the vibes yep. and not really so much for like the hardcore magic stuff. Sure, um, but yeah, like I, I think I think it's a fun. I think it's a fun book. It's a little shaggy and it's a little, you know, it, the, the the mystery part of it does not leave you guessing. But I think that the characters are a lot of fun, and the. It is it is a unique enough take on like high school monster yeah stuff yeah like a unique enough take and like a modern enough take to to feel fresh and yeah it's just fun I had fun it feels like it moves pretty quick too yes. without it yeah, for being sure. like a breakneck everyone's in trouble all the time book either no there there are there are plenty of little like one on one character moments where. You know that that where each girl is like individually humanized. Like uh, Mila and Riley have a couple of of fights almost, where mm. like Riley almost seems mad that she's been brought back, and it's clear that she's you know in retrospect she's sort of dealing with the the Xander stuff. But oh sure, yeah. There's there's like tension there, and so so yeah. There there are several character arcs that give you something to to chew on when like the main story of the book is not. It's like, not necessary. It's not moving forward. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. Um, it's just fun. Nope. Spooky. Sufficiently spooky. Many of the descriptions of, of the girls just being like zombies and they have broken necks and like their heads are flopping around and they have to like grab their own <laughs> hair to move their head back to the place where it ought to be. Like there, there's some, it's a little lightly, like some light gross out. Yeah. There, there was, if that's something that you want. There was an interview where she said that like she isn't like a, a horror movie person per se mm-hmm. and that 
probably it's more of a creepy book than a it's scary a li- yeah, book. It's a little more crappy and spoopy than scary. Yeah. Scary wary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just because it doesn't sound like it's like really motivated by jump scares. It's more just no, like no, no, no. kind of gross and magic-y stuff. Yeah, and jump scares, I feel, can be hard to execute in the pages of a book anyway, though I know yeah. that there are books that, that try. <laughs> yeah. When, when, I think like, with, a, with a book, your best bet is usually more of a sort of psychological kind of horror. Well, yeah, it was the... And with, like, Hellbound Heart, like, that was... Had a lot of the grotesque in it and then just had a lot of, like kind of that almost Lovecrafty and like you can't even conceive of what I'm describing to you right now yeah mm-hmm. and that's supposed to mess you up get mm-hmm. buckle up buddy um, all right well thanks for telling me about this fun little book Andrew yeah thanks for being spooked by it with me yeah I'm gonna go uh I'm gonna go order a, a cool book on from FedEx now who knows <laughs> okay. what who knows what's gonna show up God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if don't you don't get sent to the spooky old haunted house where we go and hang out sometimes, though, because <laughs> I wouldn't I don't want that. <laughs> OK, I will just get it sent to your house because there is a spooky old haunted house like just on the outskirts of Philadelphia that we go hang out in that. I sometimes. mean, there was that one like decrepit building that we hung out in at my bachelor party. Yeah, that was a little spooky. I know where that fun. is. We could, I could go meet you we there right back. now. We could go back. I mean, I feel like at this point, you could not have a spooky Ohana house without somebody trying to set up like a microbrewery uh, or something. Ugh. Hipsters. A microbrewery. Microbrewery. Boo. Send us an email with your favorite haunted microbrewery information at overduepod at gmail.com. Hit us up. Fright, fright, crowbrewery. <laughs> Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter with your favorite <laughs> uh, spooky pun based beer names at Overdue Pod. Thanks to Grace, Lucas, Nick, Hannah, Jennifer, Morgan, Melanie, John, and more for reaching out recently. Uh, our theme song is composed by Nick Larangis. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where do they go? Overboo yep. podcast. Uh huh. Uh-huh. com is our internet web fright. Jesus. And up there, you have links to the books that we have read and the ones that we are going to read next week. If all goes well, you'll be hearing uh, our guest episode on A Certain Hunger with our friends uh, Christina and Camille. Yep. Chelsea and, G. Uh, Summers wrote a sexy cannibal book. Sexy cannibals, a lot of a lot of bangers. This spooked over, yeah, I think, frankly. Um, and then Patreon.com/slash/OverduePod is a way to support us financially yep. and to scare us with kindness. <laughs> you get <laughs> access to bonus episodes and to our Discord server and to some other fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, there there will be a little bit of a pause in services, I think, while Craig is on paternity leave, but yep. we plan to make that up uh, early next year. I was thinking of of doing an extra bonus episode called Janu Scary to make up for the Spooktober bonus episode that we're not getting. Yeah. And so if that sounds good, we would like to hear about it. Please tell us what you mm-hmm. think about Andrew's idea. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to say. All right, everybody. Is there anything else? Are no. we good? No. Okay. 
All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to our program. And until we talk to you next time, please try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.